Hi and welcome. I want to lead this week with an alert from Ben Kingsley, who's the chair of the Property Investors Council of Australia. Now we're going to play Ben's full video message to you in the show today because what he talks about, and that is the Greens proposal for 2.2 million small business property owners to subsidise their tenants' rents with a two-year rent freeze on any rent increases, poses a very real financial burden on all the mum and dad property investors in Australia. Hello, Ben Kingsley here. Very shortly, you're going to watch a video from the housing spokesperson from the Australian Greens Party. Now, you'll see his argument in terms of the political lobbying that he's trying to do to get rental freezes introduced nationally across the country. Now, that would be catastrophic both economically and socially, and so we need to put a stop to this. Hello, I'm Kevin Turner, and that was Ben Kingsley. Welcome to this week's Realty Talk show. As I said, we're going to play Ben's full message to you and provide links so that you can take action to be heard by the policy makers. Also on today's show, Nicola McDougall from the Property Investment Professionals of Australia adds her thoughts about the Greens rental freeze proposal and how it's likely to have the absolute reverse effect. And that's a message that every renter will need to hear. Raymond Hempstead joins Bushy with some insight about purchasing property through a self-managed superannuation scheme. Compared to the industry super funds that are playing in the share market, property is going to be, be bringing you in rental income year after year, month after month. So being able to have a retirement and generational wealth build up over the period of time from when you start investing to when you retire, you've actually got more money on a year-to-year -year basis to reinvest back into your investment strategies and you're putting it back into generation, building generational wealth that you can live on, on the retirement income from positive cash flow from those properties. Hear more details on that in the show today. And Scott Agate joins Bushy with some excellent advice about how you can overcome the hurdles to accumulate a portfolio that will reward your lifestyle goals. Realty Talk is one of the shows on the Property Hub distributed by DM Media. You're going to find us on all podcast players and through the Southern Cross Stereo Network. Realty Talk is Australia's longest running property podcast with over a decade of presenting property investment insights, inspirational stories and unbiased advice. If you like the show, hit the subscribe button and help us to continue to bring you the very best guests. We're going to kick the show off in just a minute with that very important message from Ben Kingsley and what you can do to voice your thoughts. Back in a moment. Property deductions can save you thousands of dollars each year. To make sure you maximise deductions, you need to work with the most experienced quantity surveyor in the country. BMT Tax Depreciation is the leading specialist in the industry. They've completed over 700,000 tax deduction schedules for residential investment and commercial properties Australia-wide. BMT guarantee to find double your fee in the first full financial year deductions. Call BMT on 1300 728 726 today for an obligation-free quote. This is Realty Talk, powered by realty.com.au. Hello, Ben Kingsley here. 
Very shortly, you're going to watch a video from the housing spokesperson from the Australian Greens Party. His name is Max Chandler Mather. Now, you'll see his argument in terms of the political lobbying that he's trying to do to get rental freezes introduced nationally across the country. Now, that would be catastrophic both economically and socially, and so we need to put a stop to this. But here, take a listen to what he has to say. We've got over 10,000 submissions to the National Rental Inquiry, but I've got some good news and bad news about that. The good news is over 5,000 of those submissions are from renters like you. The bad news is that over 3,000 of those submissions are from property investors. Why? Because they know that this is a really important process and they are trying to influence uh, parliament and politics once again to work in their favour. But the reality is it already works for them really well. They're going to get $39 billion in tax concessions this year alone. That's for property investors. Renters get nothing, even though rents are going up at the fastest rate we've seen in 35 years. Now, we know submissions have now been extended until the 1st of September. So if you're a renter watching this right now and you're sick of property investors and landlords getting their way in politics while renters get nothing, now is your time to make a submission. If you're a renter that's copped a massive rent increase, now is the time to make your submission. If you're a renter who's been evicted unfairly, now is your time to make a submission. You've got to the 1st of September. And if after that date there are tens of thousands of submissions from renters across this country, then that could build the pressure we need to win a two-year free on rent increases, longer leases and better protections and rights for renters across this country. Authorised by Jay McCall, Australian Greens Canberra. Pretty provocative stuff, isn't it? I mean, ultimately, he's trying to put an argument of the renter versus the landlord and basically the renter gets very little and the landlord gets all of these concessions. Well, the argument is obviously misleading. Naturally, that $39 billion that he's referring to, the vast majority of that is in interest costs and expense costs that we should be able to claim in running a small business. The other component of that is made up in the concession that we get over the capital gains that we might enjoy if we ever sell the property. So it really is quite you know, disingenuous in the way in which he's presenting that information. But it's absolutely very clear that he's trying to get as many people as possible on the rental side to put their submissions in. So here's the action that I want you to take. In, on this page, there is also a link in which you can put your own submission into the inquiry and you can tell your story. Here's what I want you to tell. I want you to basically give them an idea of what your costs have been over the course of the last sort of 12 to 15 months with all of those interest rate rises, all of those higher insurance costs, all of those increased compliance costs, and give them a rough estimate in terms of what your costs have gone up and then ultimately how much of that you've passed on to those tenants of yours. That's an important message. Now, the more of us who do that, you can start to see that the balance in the conversation will start to take shape and then hopefully common sense will prevail. In addition to that, there's one other very important thing I'd like you to do, and that is to complete the current investor sentiment survey that's available that's also on a link on this page. Now, please take your time to fill that in because there's two important things here. We're going to be able to gather you know, thousands of responses and inside those responses, we're going to see in basically how you're feeling. So your general sentiment and feeling towards, you know, how things are playing out for property investors. But secondly, and also most importantly, is you're going to also be able to tell your story around what potential actions you might take. So if something was to change in terms of new laws or things like a rental freeze coming, what would you act like? What would you do? Would you sell your property? All of that information is going to be very 
meaningful in terms of informing the debate around whether rental freezes or rental caps are actually a good thing, both in the short, medium and longer term for this country. So it's an important time um, to take action. So please uh, do those two things. Uh, put your submission in to the, to the federal government inquiry and then also complete that investor sentiment survey. Thanks very much for your time. We'll continue to advocate on your behalf and thank you also for being a valued picker member. Until next time, remember, this is an important issue and we need to make sure our voices are heard. Successful property investment is a game of finance. Do you have the right team and the right game plan? Realty Talk is brought to you by Know How Property. More than mortgage brokers, Bushy Martin and his team of investment architects set you up with a sustainable strategy structured to lower your costs, tax, risk and stress while increasing your capacity for growth. Know How has helped over 1,900 homeowners and investors secure more than $800 million in property wealth. So get set to live more, work less and live your legacy. Want to know how to invest in your freedom? Visit knowhowproperty.com.au Realty Talk and your host, Bushy Martin. As property investors are finding it more and more difficult to secure property and grow their portfolios due to ever-tightening lending restrictions and interest rate rises that are slashing your borrowing capacity and purchase price power by 30 to 40% over the last 12 months and effectively taking traditional property purchases off the table, many investors are looking at alternative ways to continue to secure property. Now, one of these alternatives, depending on your personal situation and risk profile, is to consider purchasing property through a self-managed super scheme or an SMSF. So we're going to investigate this further today. But before we start, I need to reinforce that what we'll be sharing with you today is purely general information in nature and not intended as financial advice in any way, shape or form. So ensure that you seek guidance from independent accounting, legal and other financial professionals to consider the specifics of your situation before you do anything further. But to open your eyes to SMSF property investment comparisons, along with a unique approach to securing a type of property that normally can't be secured via an SMSF, we're joined by Raymond Hempstead, the Managing Director of One Contract Property, who specialise in helping investors secure properties via SMSFFs. So I'm almost tangled tied there, Raymond, but welcome back to the show. I'm <laughs> glad to be here again. Thank you. Terrific, Raymond. Well, look, uh, it's a great subject and a very topical subject at the moment. So well, let's kick off by asking you, how does an SMS property investment compete with other investment avenues when it comes to making generational wealth possible? It really stands alone. Like there's, especially as you're just saying, the borrowing capacity of people have dropped through the floor um, over the last several months. It's quite, quite shocking. The generational wealth comes back to the tax holding as well. How, how are we going to look after ourselves in retirement? And now I suppose I've got to I've put a premise here. I'm pro-property, all right? Um, compared to the industry super funds that are playing in the share market, property, you know where it is, it's bricks and mortar. It's going to be, be bringing you in rental income year after year, month after month. So being able to have a retirement and generational wealth build up over the period of time from when you start investing to when you retire, when you take into account the SMSF tax structure and you're paying 15% tax rather than 30 to 
You've actually got more money on a year-to-year -year basis to reinvest back into your investment strategies because you're not giving it to the ATO legally and you're putting it back into generation, building generational wealth that you can live on on the retirement income from positive cash flow from those properties. So when, when you actually die, you're actually leaving fully paid off properties to your kids or your grandkids. And that's a big difference to, compared to what the um, industry super funds are promoting. Yeah, it's a, a massive legacy piece that yes. uh, is clearly well in advance of the, the mm -hmm. other news. Uh, I'd also like your take on the current state of super and what should the government actually be doing instead of posing the soft caps that they talk about? The government should be promoting and assisting people to reinvest back into their long-term strategy. Like, yes, we got our contributions that are going to be going up by half a percent each year for the next couple of years, but they should be talking up being able to promote back into your superannuation, but also self-managed superannuation. The, the government talks about big industry and the big industry super funds putting their money um, into housing into Australia. That's not going to happen. It comes down to people like you and me and your investors on the on the show. We can take control of our superannuation through a self-managed super fund. We can actually buy property that's going to be, we can build property. And that's what I'm saying. You can buy established, but I'm talking about building brand new property inside your super fund. It's building generational wealth for yourself. It's actually building homes for the average Australian that can't afford it. And it's keeping the money in Australia. It's building Australia's economy. So the more money we put into super, into self-managed super, pump it back into property, it comes back full circle to build the economy, build our wealth of Australians for Australia, but also build our family wealth as well. So, um, yeah, they just need to be, they need to be moving away from just promoting about industry super funds and they need to be promoting, yeah, this is this is a viable option to be able to handle your superannuation. Absolutely. And, and the individual investor has much more control over their own destiny in that exercise. And, and by encouraging that, uh, the massive housing shortage that everyone keeps talking about around the country uh, will we'll start making dents in that equation as well. So, look, you, you uh, touched on a, an important exercise there uh, as you were speaking, which I want to get back to. But, uh, you know, self-managed super fund property investment has always been possible for establishing existing property in townhouses, apartments and, and homes. Mm -hmm. But what makes SMS property investment different with one contract property based on what you just shared? Right. I'll, I'll go back and just elaborate on why it's, in the past, it's been only in those categories. That's because the builder has taken the risk. Yeah. Because in a self-managed super fund, it's illegal, still illegal today, to actually enter a two-part contract. So buy a block of land and then enter another build contract if you're going to be using debt and leverage. Yeah. All right. So because of that, all that's been available in the past are investments where the builders have said, okay, they found a nice location and they think it's a great location to build a property not for our as uh, our, our return as the investor, but for their return as the builder, it's great for them and they're going to flog it off to us as a single-part contract. The difference that one contract property brings to the market is when I came up with a solution, I said, how do I invest outside of super? I choose my location, I choose my build, I choose my style, I choose who's, who's going to fund it, and then I go and start negotiating, and then I come up with the product. So when I, when I looked at that, I said, 
we've got to have that same choice inside our super. But the only downfall was that is that it has to be under a single part contract and no builder around the country is going to, going to cover that off. So we actually made that possible. So we'll convert any two-part contract, so a land and house build, into a single-part contract that you choose that your super fund can now buy. So you, you can now invest in your super exactly the same way as you do outside of super now in whatever you like. That's a very significant advantage, and that's certainly going to be pricking up the ears of a lot of investors because, uh, uh, as we've spoken about previously, uh, Raymond, there are some very significant cost advantages and tax incentives attached with new builds over existing properties. And uh, up until now, with what you've just shared with us, it's been almost impossible to achieve that uh, through the self-managed super vehicle. So you've now sort of created a yeah, an option where you can have the best of all worlds with what you've uh, pioneered in that regard. So look, I want to really thank you for revealing these uh, self-managed super fund property investment opportunities for us. And uh, I really appreciate uh, the fact that uh, you've made it really clear that this form of investment vehicle has a potential for considerable benefits if it's managed carefully and in conjunction with specialist independent accounting and legal advice that's in line with the individual's financial position, their risk profile and the time available to manage them. Uh, because as you would, you would know, uh, Raymond, SMFs aren't for everyone depending on their financial position and, and probably particularly not for hands-off time poor because there is considerable additional cost and time required in the establishment and the ongoing administration of self-managed super funds to ensure compliance. But uh, beyond that, if you've got the right team behind you, there are some very significant advantages and some great uh, uh, unique uh, innovations you've made in that space. So I really want to uh, thank you for coming on board and sharing that. And for those that are interested in wanting to learn more, Raymond, what's the best way for them to contact you? Well, see, they can hop onto our website, onecontractproperty.com.au. Um, there's a range of information on there and contact details and email addresses as well. So I look forward to talking to anybody that would like to get further education on the matter. Thanks, Raymond. We really appreciate your time on the show today. Thanks, Bushy. Appreciate it. Ciao. Property deductions can save you thousands of dollars each year. To make sure you maximise deductions, you need to work with the most experienced quantity surveyor in the country. BMT Tax Depreciation is the leading specialist in the industry. They've completed over 700,000 tax deduction schedules for residential investment and commercial properties Australia-wide. BMT guarantee to find double your fee in the first full financial year deductions. Call BMT on 1300 728 726 today for an obligation-free quote. Subscribe now to Realty Talk. It's out every week. Now, average housing rents across Australia have increased by about 12% per year to June 2023, according to PropTac. Our prop track, should I say, combined with rapidly increasing interest rates and wage rises not keeping pace with inflation, this is placing a huge strain on the average household purse prompting calls for improved rental market conditions. As a result, the Greens are refusing to pass the $10 billion Housing Australia Future Fund bill that's going to provide up to $500 million a year for more community housing unless the federal Labor government somehow convinces every state and territory to implement rental freezes. What absolute misguided nonsense. It just beggars belief. But are rent freezes and caps a simple panacea? or more of a Pandora's box? Will they solve Australia's rental crisis or just make things worse? 
In the current political atmosphere of short-sighted reactive finger-pointing by babbling fools who'd like to pin the convenient tail on villainised investor donkeys, Pippa, or the Property Investment Professionals of Australia, has emerged as the voice of balanced reason to respond to these continued investor strikes and represent the true interests of the property community. So to answer these vexing questions and to dispel more rental crap, Pippa's chair, Nicola McDougall, joins us again. So welcome back to Realty Talk, Nicola. Oh, hi, Bushy. I remember when when you accidentally came up with the term rental crap and and not only was it one of the funniest interviews either of us have ever done in our in our careers, it was perfect. <laughs> it was, it was that Freudian slip. But... It was the, the Freudian slip of all Freudian slips. Um, and it was, you know, we got to laugh about it, even though it's not a funny topic, but it, but it was just so true. And it was so apt. And I was annoyed that I hadn't come up with the term myself. <laughs> well, it's going to get another run today because uh, I just can't believe some <laughs> of the stupid things that are being suggested. But uh, it's even got it, worse since the last time we spoke about it. It has. It has. And I, I, I really want to get into that. So uh, just to, I guess, to refresh everyone who's listening in, what is being proposed, where and by who, when it comes to the current round of proposed Rent oh, freezes. Darling, how much to, how much time have we got? <laughs> but generally speaking, you know, we have um, rental caps um, in place in, in, in most in, in, in most states and territories, um, which is just you know the limit on the number of times you can increase the rent per year. Yeah. Um, we did say that we could live with that when it was proposed in Queensland. Um, however, we weren't aware that they were going to um, implement it retrospectively. Um, so that hasn't been great uh, for a number of reasons. And then since then, there are some states and territories, specifically uh, Victoria, who are talking about rental freezes up of upwards of two of, of two years. So, you know, the asset that you own, that you your your you know costs, uh, whether it's through uh, higher interest rates or various other costs have increased hugely. They are suggesting that you won't be able to increase the rent potentially uh, for a couple of years. And um, in New South, there's a bunch of rental reforms going on around the country at the same time, which uh, at an industry association level look, you know, makes it very difficult um, to be able to produce submissions for them. And I don't think that's a mistake that they've all kind of got these closing dates very similar, but we will do it. We will do it. We are burning the midnight oil, my friend. Um, but also in New South Wales, there seems to be some suggestion that they're considering an end to um, no grounds evictions. Just, just go for you. I mean, if they, if they were going to uh, impose... Uh, rent freezes, but they're also going to freeze our mortgages and our council rates and everything right. else. And maybe uh, we, uh, people would start to understand, but to impose an income uh, limitation when everything else is going through the roof just doesn't I mean, make and any also, sense. You know, and also there's, you know, there's various um, sort of d- the data out there, but generally speaking, you know, I think the latest core logic, and I'm not, I don't know the exact numbers off the top of my head, but the latest core logic sort of research on this, you know, says that rents have probably increased somewhere in the vicinity of around about $350 per month. Um, but mortgages have gone up by, by a thousand. Yeah. You know, and even in my own personal situation, I have a property where um, because of the retrospective nature of the Queensland legislation in regards to rental caps, I wasn't able to increase the rent on my property um, and um, because I had put it up marginally in January and my mortgage is going up, it has gone up from yesterday, $1,200 a month. And uh, I was about to put the rent, I wanted to put up the rent up by $50 a week, so $200 a month um, versus 
versus 1200 uh, which would have been useful, which would have been very useful when my mortgage has, has gone up by 1200 a month. So, you know, that's that's it in action. That's just me, one person with one talking about one property. Yeah, and it's across the board. So uh, I'd like to spell this out because what impacts have rent freezes or caps had in the past and elsewhere, to your knowledge? Mm, I think it's important to to, um, to understand in the context, certainly internationally, um, they have uh, been uh, instigated and, and generally uh, withdrawn um, in various countries around the world for various reasons. All of the all of the reasons why they have done them in the in the beginning was okay. Well, we need to do this because we want to, you know, uh, put a cap on on the rents going up. But what actually, as we know, will happen? It can always ends up being counterproductive, and investors exit the market, and then supply drops, and then demand goes up and prices go up. Um, and generally speaking, it has always been withdrawn because it because it has disincentivized investors so much. Current investors, not only current investors who exit the market but stops would-be or prospective investors who may have got into the market. And then, as I say, the supply drops, rents go up because demand goes through the roof. So international experience, and I know that the Federal Greens are using one particular very, very small study um, in their argument uh, to you know somehow talk the federal government into talking the state governments around the country uh, into instigating rental freezes. But the vast majority of international experience when it comes to rental freezes have always been a woeful failure um, and, and have actually made rental markets far worse than what they were before they instigated those policies. Yes, but on. Well, let's spell it out in terms of what is likely to happen if rent freezes and rent caps are imposed. And, and, and let's talk about some of the unintended consequences that the policies just aren't seeing at the moment. Can you break that down for us? Well, I think, you know, if, 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 as an investor, you're about to, and certainly we're talking about Victoria, because there doesn't seem to be much appetite for rental freezes in other states and territories, as far as we know today. Yeah. Um, but Victoria, they do seem to be having an appetite for it. Um, so if one has an investment property that you, all of a sudden you have told, well, you can't put the rent up on this for two years, don't really give a toss that your you know mortgage repayments have gone up by you know fifteen twenty thousand dollars a year. Um, Given that the vast majority of investors own one property, um, many of them perhaps have become accidental investors at best, um, they will sell that property. And we know, history shows us, research shows us, data shows us that owner-occupiers generally buy 65% of investment properties that are sold, and that strips it out of the rental market. So anything I think, and it's not even about Clearly, no one, you know, is happy with the fact that rents have increased so much. But I tell you what, mortgage holders aren't very happy that mortgage repayments have increased so much. And it's just like a really unfortunate situation for everybody. Like, no one's winning here. We're all struggling with the costs that we're having to pay. You know, I mean, even the, I said to my business partner this morning, I actually changed my 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 loan on my PPOR to uh, principal and interest a couple of months ago um, because it used to be an investment property. They've actually forgotten to action it, the bank. <laughs> um, and I said to Karen this morning, I said, you know what, I'm kind of pleased about that because it's actually saved me $500 a month when rates had gone up a couple of more times. And so I didn't fix but I just changed. I mean, you know what? I'm paying a ridiculously high interest-only rate here. I might as well do P&I. And then somehow my paperwork has got lost, and I went, you know what? I'm going to leave it because for me at the moment, 
you know, my mortgage has doubled in the home that I live in, the property that I live in, plus my investment property, you know, and another one as well. It's, you know, that one of my properties has gone from covering itself to now will cost me, you know, more than $1,000 a month when my own mortgage has doubled as well. So there ain't a lot of spare cash. And that's just my example, um, you know, but everyone is in the same boat and we're all struggling quite significantly at the moment. And pitting us up against each other is not helping anybody. And uh, unfortunately, as we've talked about before, Bushy, the end result, if some of these policies are implemented, will be a further reduction in rental supply. It's as you as you really well is illustrated. It's actually going to make things far worse, uh, not better. So any market intervention, yeah, it always does, doesn't it? It does. You know, I just it let does. the market sort itself out because it does, but yeah. they just don't let it do that because they don't care what the long term ramifications are. It's spot on. Now you, you sort of touched on uh, global experience before. What what is global experience suggesting is going to be a more effective housing policy approach as you see it? Yes, I mean, and obviously um, other nations around, um, other countries around the world have different rental markets. I mean, you know, the US especially. Um, but um, what they found in this research that I was recently reading uh, for one of our submissions uh, was that it would, would have been a far better um, idea to instigate policies that incentivized um, uh, investors and or increase, um, you know, um, what would you call it, um, not grants to to renters, but uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Bushy, you know, it's, when you the the incentives, the, the incentives. Uh, so renters are able to get some more money from the government, which will help them pay for higher higher rents for a period of time. Incentivize investors um, via maybe giving them a little bit of money so that they keep the rents you know lower when they when realistically they could put them higher. So really, just kind of being fair to both parties instead of just bashing investors over the head and saying, well. We know that you've taken all the risk on this asset. We know um, that you, you know, that your costs have gone up exponentially. But we don't care. We're going to make you not put the rent up on this property for two years. And generally, that means that investors, you know, may have to sell or sell. I know in Ireland, um, a couple of years ago, uh, this came in and it saw like, a, you know, a huge volume of investors in, into the market. There was a story that was um, quite prominent in the media last year that I think in the whole of Ireland, there was something like 712 available rental properties at one point and, 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 a, and a population of, of 5 million people. Well, uh, watch this space. Uh, mm. Some of this madness continues. Uh, it's going to end up exactly the same here, particularly when we're pouring in so many skilled migrants into the country. That's right, years. exactly. So, look, uh, I, I know uh, this and other topics are, are going to be uh, hot topics with Pippa, and and uh, you're, you're hosting your very first annual conference in Sydney on Friday, the 22nd of September. Uh, we talked about this uh, briefly on a, a separate segment from mm, Rugby yeah. Talk, but uh, tell us a bit more about uh, what it's about and who and how we can we get involved yeah great thank you bushy and thanks once again my friend for agreeing to be our mc extraordinaire i'm very excited about that i'm you very too. excited indeed um you know obviously we have uh some of the the brightest mind and in, in the property investment uh sector coming along to the conference and what we really wanted to do when we were developing the program 
was to provide sessions, and we do have a number of panel sessions, so we could get you know more talent on stage in just a one day in one day format. Was to really you know look at the sectors involved in property investment, um, so that people that were coming and the predominantly members could you know learn as much as possible um, on the day. So we you know we've got topics that are like lending, the latest in prop tech. We've even got Justin Nickerson uh, yeah. from Apollo Auctions flying flying in from uh, Brisbane especially, who will give us some tips and tricks about auctions. Obviously, our friend Peter Kolesos, you know, how to identify the best investment suburbs. One session that I'm really looking forward to is actually a Sydney valuer um, going to be interviewed on stage. And all of us who have been on, you know, perhaps the wrong side of evaluation will be very, very interested to hear from her um, on, you know, what, what valuers look for, how you might be able to impact valuations, you know, when is it time to kind of fight a valuation, when is it time to just walk away. So that's one of the, you know, so we really wanted to make sure that, you know, over the course of, of the day, everyone that came along would be learning a little bit about the majority of factors that are involved in property investment and property investment strategy. Yeah, I love it. It's uh, going to be a great meeting of the minds and the, the start of uh, great things to come, I'm, I'm sure. So I uh, really encourage everyone to uh, jump on the PIPA site. And if you haven't got a ticket already, make make sure you grab one before they sell out. And uh, Nicola, uh, really looking forward to meeting you face-to-face -face, uh, on that event and spending some time. But I, I just want to also thank you for opening your eyes to the quite ignorant naivety of the proposed rent freezes and rental caps uh, that are being suggested. And as you've made it, clearer than ever, uh, these ill-conceived Band-Aid measures are actually going to worsen Australia's rental crisis. So while freezing rents may appear to be a simple way to increase rental housing affordability for the un uneducated, the unintended consequences that you spelled out will have long-term negative effects on the availability of rental housing stock, reducing the quality of housing and creating a potentially a black market in rental housing uh, if we look at what's happened elsewhere. And, uh, you know, in closing, as the senior lecturer in finance at Deakin University, Amita Jane, well expressed in a recent article in the conversation, global experience reinforces that improving supply by easing building instruction, uh, building restrictions, scrapping red tape for new developments and incentivising hardworking mums and dads to continue to invest in housing is going to be far more effective. And local councils and state governments need to simplify and expedite the process of approving new developments at the same time that the federal government needs to reduce taxes and add incentives on rental properties. So I really want to thank you for bringing all of this to our attention again, Nicola, and we look forward to seeing you and everyone else who's serious about ongoing professionalism at the uh, PIPA conference on Friday, the 22nd of September. Thanks, Bushy. Looking forward to seeing you there. Thanks, Nicola. Successful property investment is a game of finance. Do you have the right team and the right game plan? Realty Talk is brought to you by Know How Property. More than mortgage brokers, Bushy Martin and his team of investment architects set you up with a sustainable strategy structured to lower your costs, tax, risk and stress while increasing your capacity for growth. Know How has helped over 1,900 homeowners and investors secure more than $800 million in property wealth. So get set to live more, work less, and live your legacy. Want to know how to invest in your freedom? Visit knowhowproperty.com.au. Now back to Realty Talk and Bushy Martin. If investing in property is the best way to secure your financial freedom in Australia, and why is it that about 70% of the 2.2 million odd investors 
only own one property and around 90% of investors own two or less. If you're one of them or you're an aspiring property investor, how can you overcome the hurdles to accumulate a portfolio that will attain and sustain your lifestyle goals? What's stopping you? Is it uncertainty, fear, or a lack of time, trust, and knowledge, or a combination of all of these? What if you could access a trusted team and a proven process that uses data and AI-driven analysis to take the guesswork out of property investment that's going to allow you to build a portfolio that matches your needs with hand-selected A-grade properties right across the country. Well, to reveal and unpack this unique portfolio builder service, we're joined by the founder of Hello House, Scott Agger, whose team are transforming the way property is done in Australia. So welcome back to the show, Scotty. G'day, Bushy. How you doing? Right, mate. Uh, really interested to hear on this one because, uh, as we both know, there's a, a lot of would-be investors who are going to, and shoulda and woulda, but never <laughs> actually quite get around to uh, making it happen, mate. So uh, just to sort of dive into that area, what are some of the biggest challenges that you see investors face and the common mistakes they make when it comes to securing their property portfolios? Mate, I think the number one is the tyranny of choice. This seems to be the... Uh the sucker that brings most people down. So it's commonly referred to as analysis paralysis. Um, and that, that's really the common one that we come up against when we're talking to investors as to why they haven't bought a second property or why they've never entered the um, property ladder at all in terms of getting on that um, investment cycle. So analysis paralysis is, is a big one. Um, other ones would be looking at short-term growth over long-term fundamentals of an area. That's another key downfall for a lot of investors. And I think others that sacrifice capital growth and asset selection for cash flow. So I think they're the three big ones, three big challenges I think that face investors Australia-wide that keep coming up for us on a on a you know daily basis when we're talking to new and some old, more experienced investors as well. Yeah, good point. So uh, how does your a new portfolio builder service overcome these. Well, we work with the best minds, right, in the in 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 the country to select the best assets. We're looking at leading growth locations with great cash flow, um, and we're analysed by a team of property experts that have been doing this for decades. So you've got me on the negotiation front and the asset selection front. So tons of experience there in terms of um, transactional volume over many years, um, and my team. We've got uh, you know professional valuers, um, licensed valuers, I should say, uh, analysts, um, property investment advisors. So we've got a, a great team of uh, individuals that, that have trained up and have got a lot of transactional volume history themselves. Plus, we're all on the same journey. They're all building their own portfolio and actually enjoy doing this day to day. And I think that's the key to it because you've got lots of people that might have an opinion, but they haven't actually gone out there and done it themselves. I know you're an avid, um, you know, guru in this space in terms of uh, walking the walk. Um, you know, we we like to do the same in our team. Yeah, spot on. As as you say, mate, there's a a lot of free opinions that don't mean much, but uh, walk, walking <laughs> the talk is the stuff that makes a difference. So, uh, mate, I'd love for you to just run through the key elements of your portfolio builder process, if you can. Yeah, sure. Well, it always starts with strategy first, so we're always looking for you know, what's the risk profile of the client um, before we then jump into um, finance and what their capacity is in terms of the target that we chase. So strategy might be running um, their game plan. So to work out, you know, where in the journey they are, what the timeline looks like. So we can work out, you know, if you buy this, what's the second property, the third property look like, or if you're on to number two or number three, what's it going to look like in 10, 15 years time when you retire. So got to focus on the strategy before we jump into the finance. 
But once they've got their um, conditional finance in play and they know what they can afford loosely, um, we're going to jump into location research. So we've got white papers on different um, hotspot locations to give you confidence around why we want to invest in those locations. That's going to focus on you know, infrastructure investment, both private and from the government. Um, it's going to look for what's driving population growth in those um, areas and much, much more. We then jump into asset selection. So typically we look for three bedroom houses or larger, minimum 400 square meters. We're not really interested in buying units um, or even townhouses. It depends again on the risk strategy um, for the client, but typically it's a, it's a freestanding house and over 400 square meters. Right. Um, then we're going to jump in once we've found those assets into deep analysis. So analysis for us is a thorough due diligence checklist. Um, we can dive into that a little bit longer, but we're going to look at DD as one thing and then separately as price. So we're going to look at comparable sales, what else is competing against it on the market to give us confidence around a certain number before I take over and step into the negotiation hot seat then. And it's about buying that asset at the lowest possible price on the best possible terms. Um, and then we see that through with our team uh, in that buying process. So building and pest. Um, valuation, so we get past the finance course if we've got that, and through to a successful settlement. Yeah, I love it. Well, I'd, I'd like to drill into the due diligence piece a little bit if we could, because that's a really important part of the process. Yeah. Uh, what sort of quantitative and qualitative data validation do you employ to ensure that outperforming properties are actually selected to suit the specifics of an investor strategies? Yeah, so we, we've talked about already that we're trying to buy houses and we're trying to buy things over 400 square metres of land yep. to start with. So that's the type of asset. When we're looking at the um, data, we're looking at days on market, the owner-renter you know, ratios, um, vacancy rates, online listing demand, rental yields, as well as lowering over you know, that the long-term historical data. So we're looking at price growth patterns and those things as well to develop a key understanding of where it's best to in, you know, invest for short, medium and long-term. So the asset selection, as we've discussed, is really important. So once we've looked at that data, we dive into then the asset uh, and then we dive into the due diligence. So to cover off on that, we might look at things like, um, and I'll run through these quickly because there's, there's a huge checklist that we go through and we've got to have a green tick bushy to each of these before it gets um, the Hollow House seal of approval. But we're looking at, you know, the basic things like fire and flood. We're looking at heritage zones, um, how far it is from a high clearance power line, um, whether or not it's under a flight path or too near a train station or a bus stop or whatever else is going to affect the noise quality and, and the enjoyment of that property. Um, high traffic flow roads, we try and steer clear of as well. We'll look at, um, you know, dial before you dig. So we'll look at things like easements that might dissect the site, um, problems like that that could impact any future development. So if you're trying to manufacture equity through a granny flat or a potential subdivision, that it's going to meet that criteria. Yep. Um, and that means looking at council zoning, we might look at town planning advice as well, independently of that, uh, to get an understanding of what can be done, what's the highest and best use of the asset. That all forms part of um, our due diligence. There's tons of other checkpoints, Bushy, that we'll go through, um, but there's that long list that it's got to give us confidence that um, we're buying the right asset in the right location. And if any of those are flagged, sometimes um, there might be a, it could be a, a fire risk and it might be just that it's a, a tiny corner of the, of the land or the flood is just touching on the land. So we won't completely rule out a property for that, but we'll flag it with the purchaser. We'll talk about the pros and cons of buying a property that has that and whether or not it'll in, in, impact their um, capital growth long-term and their ability to sell that asset when they need to and then make a value decision based on that by being completely transparent and upfront. But most of the properties get a thorough green tick before we move any further. 
Love it. Uh, very thorough and detailed process, mate. Uh, can you give us a couple of examples of how you've utilised the portfolio builder experience w- with clients to put some colour around all of that? Yeah, well, I mean, I've had one this morning. We were trying to buy a property in Southport for a client in, on the Gold Coast. Yeah. Um, the house ticked the box. They're looking for probably the last three months. Um, found the perfect family house. The wife was absolutely in love with it. The only thing it didn't have was a pool. And the agent said to them, there's absolutely no problems adding a pool. This is this is the only real spot to do it. They were very happy with that. I told them to go off and get independent due diligence done by town planning um, and go and work out whether there's any pipes or anything underneath that, sewerage, water, that was going to impact it. It turns out there was a water pipe that was um, one of the really big ones taking about 60% of the load in that part of Southport, running right across that garden strip, which is why there was nothing built on top of it. There was no way that you could build a pool in that location. Even the experts that we outsourced the advice to said it's probably a $500,000 job to to move it and council would very unlikely uh, allow you to do it just to put a pool in. So that was a straight red flag for us on that property, which was otherwise ticking all the boxes. And I dare say if, um, most uh, purchasers had looked at that and the pool wasn't a high priority, but they would have loved it and they bought it on the proviso. They could have done it on the agent's advice and they would have bought a dud asset. So that's a, that's a good live example. Others might be um, another recent one. We just bought a duplex pair in Raceview, which is a, a hotspot um, suburb in Ipswich in southeast Queensland. Um, we bought, uh, I was 800 square metres surrounded by park on two sides. Lovely property in a good street. Um, we spoke to the agent and the agent uh, said to us, well, you know, there's a potential here for you to strata title the duplex pair to see a, an uplift in the capital value, which was great. And that was one of the prime reasons we were interested in buying it. But we went further. We got independent town planning advice for the buyer. And I had found um, in council's code that if you're with 200 metres of a shopping centre, that you've got the ability to potentially um, get through this this kind of not a rare subdivision, but it was able to be subdivided, whereas otherwise it wouldn't have been if it was in a normal um, position in the suburb that wasn't that close to the shops. So the town planning advice um, agreed and they went and um, seeked further instructions on that and then gave us written um confirmation that it could be subdivided as well as um, strata titled. So that just gave us another layer of um, protection in terms of de-risking that site and the potential to manufacture equity over time. So that thorough due diligence is crucial to buying the right properties. Absolutely right. And, uh, you know, I'm very impressed with what I'm hearing in relation to the extent, breadth and depth of what you're going through in that context. So obviously yeah, a lot of time is spent in making that happen. Uh, the obvious question, what does the service cost and and how do uh, how a house get paid in the event? Yep, so it's a flat fee for service and it's a complete done for you um, product that we do. So it's $9,000 plus GST. Yep. We charge that with a um, half of that upfront as a retainer and then half of that on, on success. Um, typically for us, a client is in our system for under a month. There's absolutely no rush because we want to find the right asset, but because we're, uh, we've got a team of people looking for these assets all day and we've got deep relationships with, um, local BDMs and property managers and also principals of real estate agents in these regional areas and capital cities that we get a lot of direct feed listings, um, I've built this system, which we've been calling House Finder internally in the office, um, which enables us to build rapport with agents quickly. And so we send out weekly a BCC email to these uh, relationship building um, contacts that we've got across Australia in our hotspotting data. We typically get between 30 and 60 off-market or pre-market opportunities a week that come back from that. And then we filter through that to find and unearth those diamonds. Um, But, you know, 
you know this, uh, Bushy, as well as I do, off-market, pre-market is a bit of a buzzword. There is as much rubbish that comes in that as there is with the stock that's on the market. It is just you have to be really thorough. It's a numbers game, and you have to be really strict, but it's not about just buying off-market. It's about finding that right asset every time. Absolutely agree. There's a lot of smoke and mirrors around the off-market exercise that a lot of uh, buyers agents use to basically sell untested uh, price property. So uh, with what you'll bring to the table and and applying some real science to around that, it's going to be much easier to quantify the value of the property and the fact that it's ticking all the right boxes. So look, uh, thanks, Scott. I, uh, it's really clear that this sort of zero days on market and complete done for you portfolio builder service sounds really interesting. And I encourage everyone listening to reach out to you and your team at hellohouse.co. That's H-E-L-L-O, house as in the German house, H-A-U-S. Co. Uh, so thanks for sharing this on the show today. Thanks for having me, Bushy. Cheers. Cheers. Well, that brings us to the end of this week's show. A reminder, if you've not already done so, voice your disapproval of the Greens rental freeze proposal. The links that you need to do that are in the show description below accompanying this show. A big thanks to Ben Kingsley for allowing us to rebroadcast his message. Also to Nicola McDougall, Scott Agate, Raymond Hampstead, and of course, the star of the show, Bushy Martin. We hope you enjoyed our offering this week. And if you did, well, we're pretty glad about that. Make sure that you don't miss a single episode of Realty Talk or Bushy's Get Invested podcast delivered to you each week. You'll do that by subscribing to the Property Hub now on your favorite podcast player or wherever you're listening to or watching this show. Thanks to our supporters, realty.com.au, BMT Tax Depreciation, Know How Property Finance and Apiro Marketing for their ongoing support. I'm Kevin Turner and on behalf of Bushy and the Property Hub team, we look forward to seeing you again next week.